I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Omni Street Inc., Wicked Anime, and Black Compat proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode 11 of Duckamuck in Japan. The horse girls check in. I am Mr. Ikebukuro himself, your King Baby Duck Evan Borgo. And joining me, as always, is the creator of Solarian Sun, AFLM. Hello, I am here. And our Tetris Master, John Star. I'm still playing. What level are you on right now? I am on level 18. Uh, it's out, out of how many? <laughs> so, uh, professional uh, Tetris matches are start on level 18, and I still have not left level 18. So, <laughs> just keep on practicing, there, good sir. Just keep on practicing. World record is is level like 360 something. So I'm. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, today's episode, the horse girls check in. It's self-explanatory. I hinted about it on the last episode that I was about to witness something that's been almost six years in the making here. Because like, when it comes to like, so we're talking about Uma Musume Pretty Derby. Because this whole thing with our... Like fixation on this began back in 2018 when the two of you had the My Wife Who Is Not Weird panel. Yeah, you actually had to remind me of this that like I totally forgot that our obsession mm. with Uma Musume started at a uh, Wicked Anime panel, which is amazing. Yeah, I agree. Do you remember the context of why you showed the clip? I do, actually. Now that I remember... Um, or now that you've reminded me of it, I, I kind of remember the whole thing because we were talking about how they moify everything in Japan. And that was kind of like the topic of discussion at the time. And it just so happened that the year that we were talking about that, Uma Musume was coming out. And so we're like, yeah, so see, we proved our point. Ta-da, horse girls. Yes. And then the following month, the anime premieres and like, we all discussed this, and we decided to watch it because we were expecting to troll it, We'd make fun of it. Yeah, it was gonna be. It was. It was basically gonna be the butt of every joke that we put on the show. Yes, 
but then it just <laughs> pulled the rug right under us. It, it had the absolute opposite effect and, and was, was so much better than it had any right being. It didn't even have any fan service in it. We were like, what is this show? It's, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like every moment where a horse girl tripped and fell, they never took the opportunity to be like, oh no, their skirt flipped up. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no there's no uh, beach episodes. There's no no there there was, but they didn't do like it was still a training episode, and they weren't in sexy beach outfits. Mm. And might I also add for that year? I think Evan, you might probably be alluding to this later on, but like um, we we started getting into the history of like the horses that they were based off of and everything. So like we actually started talking about real horses after this, cause like special week who's the main character ended up being a real horse. And we were like, Oh my gosh, we have to find out more about this. And it turned out that like we could find videos of the real life special weeks races, which were actually in the anime. Um, and then of course it eventually led to it being our anime of the year that yeah. year. At the 2018 wikis, um, I feel like I feel like we should have known that this was going to be a good show because it was PA Works that worked on it, and PA Works always specializes in two things: beautiful anime and bonkers anime. And Uma Musume really covered both. Yeah, oh for sure. So after that two more seasons came out a spin-off short series an OVA plethora of manga um, upcoming movie the mobile game of Uma Musume is currently the one of the top five highest grossing free-to-play games in the world despite it only being available in Japan <laughs> and yeah right yep and leading up to what I'm going to talk about concerts featuring much of the cast of the game and anime. So, this is the fifth event arena tour of Uma Musume. And this was something that went on for four different weekends. So the first one was back in July in Yokohama with the uh, co-headline or the subtitle Wish. Then there was the one in September in Nagoya with the subtitle Gaze. And then the third one, which is the one that I went to, uh, was in Tokyo. That was called Yell, despite the fact that they have no idea how to pronounce Yell. Everybody said L. And then the final one is in March called Newgate, which I think is going to be focusing on the upcoming movie. Huh, very cool. So the shows are spread across for months and it's likely because, you know, you've got all these voice actresses that are participating in these concerts. And these voice actresses have very busy schedules. So odds are they have to like plan these shows out almost a year in advance to make sure that the girls can all participate in it. Mm. And getting tickets to this show was quite, it was quite a nail biter because I got into the pre-sale the very second it went live. And then like two weeks later, I find out that I got my ticket. I'm high up 
in the right side, or actually the left side balcony, and like the show was completely sold out. And yeah, you guys, the videos saw, that you sent us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ariaki Arena, which is where it's at, it's uh, close to Toyoso Pit, which is where I'm going to be seeing. Mr. Bungle in a couple of weeks. Another story for a oh, future time. So, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I get to the arena and I already started noticing, noticing things. First, a lot of guys, but there are women there as well as families with their kids. And a lot of the kids were dressing up as like their favorite Umamusume character. The second. I mean, thing, it is a family event after all. Uh, Umamusume has been. Yeah, it kind of it. It is. I would call it a family anime. I think it's definitely something that's appropriate for all ages. Would you agree? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Yes. Second thing I noticed, I am one hundred percent certain that I was the only person there that wasn't Japanese. Like, <laughs> you know how like. Foreigners can kind of be like magnets. If there was another Gaijin there, I know for a fact I would have crossed paths with them. The third thing, like these Japanese fans, as you saw in the video, they prepare like no other. They're they're practicing their chants, their cheers, even how their glow sticks should both glow and move to the music. Yeah. Uh, how do they do that? Do you do you know, or did were you I just baffled know. while you were there? I am bad. So my friend, so I do have a friend. So she, my friend Sawa, who has been on a couple of No Borders or Race episodes, uh, she used to tell me like there are sometimes there are videos that people can watch that allows them to prepare for shows and lets them know what to cheer at. At specific moments, but like, I've never been able to find these videos that she's talking about. So, I have no idea how these people are, you know, chanting in unison, saying everything in unison, and like knowing how to move their glow sticks in the proper way. So, it's like, I, I, I'm as baffled as you guys are. So, yes, I am as baffled as you guys are. You have to find it on the Japanese dark web. <laughs> the dark, dark web. And then the fourth thing I noticed, and you could kind of tell from the video as well, Ariake Arena is huge. It it's felt a big like, arena, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it was being put on at a convention center, then like a concert hall. Um, so... There weren't as many seats in like the mezzanine and balcony section as like your average arena, but width-wise, I felt like you could have fit like two or three TD Gardens in there. It was ginormous. Yeah, for any uh, other locals, when I was watching your videos, I was describing it as like it was definitely more like a Gillette Stadium than a TD Garden. Yeah, close to that. Very close to that. So the show begins. With the anime's like sports commentator getting the crowd excited. And then the first mm, song yeah. goes on, the 24 Hearst girls like show up, including Special Week, Tokai Teo, and Kitasan Black, the three main characters from 
season one, season two, and season three. And they come out and they perform what is called Comeback Story, which is like their go-to opening song for these shows. Mm-hmm. Nice. And the show itself, it felt like it was split into different genres and themes. So like the first set of songs were kind of like the feel-good songs, like Make Debut, the opening theme to season one, and Break Memory. And then the second set kind of goes kind of hard. Like there was a really good K-pop <laughs> remix of Winning the Soul, and then this song called Miss Victoria, which had this very power metal vibe to it. I wound up actually sending that song to Matt from Fellowship being like, hey, next time you're in Japan, you should try and cover this song. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the third set was like the soft songs, like the ballads, like Find My Own Way and Daisuke no Takurabako. And then the final set was more focused on season three of the anime with Kitasan Black's performer Hinaki Yano taking center stage for a good chunk of that segment. Mm. And then with the finale, mixture of just about everybody, over two dozen songs were performed and in between like the segments, there were skits and contests, or quote unquote contests, you know, just the girls just goofing off on stage. Like, who could get the best cheer from the audience going? Uh, confetti bazooka contests. Uh, best huh. JoJo poses. So, Jeez. Yeah, so there was a lot going on. And last time I was talking about this show on the previous episode, I said that this show could go on for over four hours. And to be fair, that was a bit of an exaggeration. It went off for three hours and 52 minutes. Oh my gosh, you liar. So, well, cause <laughs> here's the other thing that I noticed, cause you sent us a bunch of videos like that they would come on screen and do like these little intros and, you know, do little cheers and, and whatever. Mm. Those videos were like 15 minutes each. Yeah. And, and I was watching those just like, good gracious, this, I, I can't sit here and watch it as a YouTube video. I know that the energy would be totally different watching it at a concert venue, but this is way too long for, yes. for like a YouTube so video. So the first song, comeback song, was basically 15 minutes long because they were introducing each and every single horse girl during that oh, segment. No. <laughs> <laughs> and to give you listeners an idea, other set times. So Taylor Swift was recently at Tokyo Dome. On average, her shows were three hours and 30 minutes. The Mm -hmm. average Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney sets are three hours and 10 minutes. So this went on longer than some of the biggest acts on the planet usually go for. I mean, the fact that anybody performs for over two hours, I would say is like, that's that's a long time. That's exhausting. Mm. You know, like I, I can't believe that like they have that voice actresses would have the stamina, but let alone rock stars too. Like, don't get me wrong, but like um, the voice actresses, you said that they have jobs, but on top of that too, like they also have to come up with the choreography and they have to, you know, be in sync with one another. And with 24 of them being on stage, like there's so much practice that goes into that whole set and they have to do like memorize three and a half hours of, all that that's insane well i feel like so it's not like that you were all there at this 
all the time performing together. Like there were times okay. where it was just like three, three of the voice actresses, or two of the voice actresses, or five of the voice actresses. It's only like the opening songs and like the final song and the encores where it's like all the horse girls came together to do like the songs like in unison. Got it. Got and, it. Yep. and as and regarding the um, the dancing and choreography, like the main performers, they kind of just. I mean, they did some movements here and there, but they mostly just stood and sang, and they had, like, background dancers, but, like, mm. all the eyes were on the main characters. And I feel like a show like this could have uh, benefited from, like, having a live band instead of, like, pre-recorded tracks. Because that yeah, way, if they, had, if, if they had a live band there, at least you could you could be a little bit distracted by the fact that the performers aren't really doing much except for like singing and doing minimum, like minimal dance moves. Sure. Um, and the other downside was no gold ship. Like I would have just been happy with her just to come on stage and just do her, you know, her running joke, you know, the ow my eye sort of thing. Mm. But no gold ship, not even a mention of gold ship at this show. So I wonder if like her voice actress just couldn't make it or she will be focused on like the uh, upcoming one, the the fourth like weekend one that's happening in March. But yeah. all in all, I did enjoy myself. But like I said, three hours and 52 minutes. It's like eating one of those giant sized pixie sticks. At first, it's fun and tasty, but then it gets to a point where you start thinking, like, when will this end? This is just way too much sugary goodness. I think I'm going to get a <laughs> tummy ache from this. <laughs> but, like, I can't believe that it, it's it, like this whole thing has lasted like six years. It's going to keep on going onwards for as long as. Uma, Uma Masume goes because I'm still going to keep watching the anime. I'm still going to watch the movies. I'm waiting for the English version of the video game to drop so I can play that. And the Uma Musume fan isn't going to be going anywhere. It's like the fact that it's like one of the biggest things in Japan, like still is taking me by surprise. And at the same time, it's like, okay, I can understand why this is such a phenomenon here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, normally it's time for Ask Duck Anything, but maybe do you guys have any questions, of, more questions about this experience that I had at this Uba Musume concert? Yeah, how was it getting in? Uh, because it, it's, you know, a fully Japanese event, and I don't expect everybody to speak English. Uh, so you actually getting into the event and getting to your seat, because it's so big, it's almost like you would have to be guided to guided through it. So was that ever an issue? Um, it really wasn't an issue. I flashed my ticket. I showed that I didn't have a bag on me. They just let me in. And then I, um, I just had to find the area of which my seat was in. So I kind of had to like walk almost all the way around the arena to find my area, walk up the stairs and find my seat. Mm-hmm. So, not a big problem, not a big issue. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Did you find any of the 
uh, people who are at the concert with you. You know how, like, in anime, they have, like, the... Uh, like they, they have a certain persona that and a stereotype that they have for the people who go to these kinds of shows. Did you see that kind there? Are you talking about like the ones that like wear the headbands and the happy coats <laughs> and, they're, and they're like sweaty? Um, the first two parts, yes, not sweaty. Um, the woman I was sitting <laughs> next to, I, I was actually sitting between two women at this show. The woman on my right was in that, was kind of dressed up that way. She had the headband. She had the happy coat. She had the glow sticks. Um, And of course, there were a lot, you know, groups of people that were kind of in that. But I wasn't near that aspect. What I Hmm. did notice was, so I mentioned how like the the glow sticks are multicolored and such. I noticed that the people who tend to like have their glow sticks set to I forget it was was orange I think it was orange they were the ones who were doing the craziest dance moves with their glow sticks like they were kind of doing that super spinny fast things and the pointing up and down super fast and like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sure, they weren't sure. going with the crowd they were like just going <laughs> just all over the place <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, what what that, an experience! That is a really good question, though. Like, uh, discussing because because it's not like us making like uh, like when it comes to anime, it's not us making those observations, making fun of a different culture. It's their own culture discussing these things that that they see in anime. So that stereotype has to at least exist somewhere. Mm. Uh, and I, I find that to be fascinating, uh, of like as like as far as uh, their own kind of cultural critique goes of themselves. Yeah, but I feel like that they just really don't give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I mean, there's critique, no reason they, to. Yeah, they they critique it, and like the response to them is like, I don't care, I'm having fun. Yeah, they're there. You're there to have a good time to begin with. So I mm. mean, it's it's not. Like it's it's the same way that I'll go to a, a metal show and just headbang until my neck hurts and and I guess that doesn't matter to me if if anybody yeah. if anybody's like because everybody's doing it you know that's why you're, you're there to have a good time yeah so it was interesting will I, I do it again I don't know I don't know if I would go to another Umamasume show I was think it, this is the one. Because- Oh yeah. Yeah. Was it because it was too long, or was it just because, like, it it wasn't? It was just like, well, that was fun. I, I that that's it. That's enough for me. <laughs> I I'm thinking more the latter because yeah. you know I got my money's worth. This was like what was it? Yeah. Eleven thousand yen ticket, and I got a four hour show out of it. Right. I got my money's worth, but I don't know if I could sit there and go through that again until I reach a point where my Japanese skills get better because there are a lot of segments lots of banter lots of jokes that went over my head because I didn't have a grasp of the language right yeah so maybe when I reach a point where I feel a lot more confident in my language skills especially when it comes to listening to Japanese Maybe I'll go again, but for now, mm-hmm. this was enough. 
Good to know. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good to know. Yeah. If there was another show for another anime, what which one would it be? Like if you were like, oh man, like that anime is, is coming around for a special concert. I gotta go to that one, no matter my language barrier or anything like that. What would you? What would Definitely Konosuba, because Konosuba does concerts from time to time, and I think that with season three coming out in spring, they're bound to do a concert. And like, yeah. if it's close by, I am willing to go to it. All right, all right, cool. I'm trying to think of other shows that I would do for a concert. Maybe Bochi the Rock. Like Bochi the Rock would be probably a fun one to see. That probably would be a fun one. Yeah, you'd have to have a live band there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, apparently, they did one, uh, but and, and I was actually here in Tokyo when it went on, but it sold out very, very quickly. So uh, mm. maybe because there's a compilation film coming out uh, this spring or this summer of Bochi the Rock, and odds are they're probably going to do something like that again. So maybe just maybe, but. Definitely Konosuba and Bochi the Rock are two shows where if they did a concert, I would absolutely go. Mm. Mm. All right. That's awesome. So on the other end of the concert spectrum, Queens of the Stone Age came to Tokyo. And as people know, especially with my pen name being an homage to uh, Josh Hame from Queens of the Stone Age... I'm a huge fan. I've been seeing them live ever since uh, probably their Era Vulgaris tour back in 2007. And they were coming to town playing Tokyo Dome City Hall the same day as Taylor Swift's first Tokyo Dome show. And like the whole area when I was there was filled with both Queens fans and Swifties. No fights broke out, thankfully, but <laughs> it was it was interesting. Um, they were the only band that was performing. There were no opening acts, and they played for a good two hours with a focus on their new album, In Times New Roman. Mm. And Josh got a really good feel of the audience. He really liked the Japanese audience. Uh, he even mentioned, like, you know, I heard you guys are a lot more reserved, but you guys are fucking crazy tonight. <laughs> with that being said... There were times where I felt like the audience didn't realize that they were like kind of supposed to sing along to certain songs. Mm-hmm. So like there's a song called Make It With You. And like everybody like during the chorus will be like, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it with you. And like in America, everyone sings along to that. In mm. Japan almost nobody did. It was only in the part like where like Josh was actually trying to get the audience to sing along where they were finally doing something. So like <laughs> I find it I find it interesting like with Uma Musume, like people have no problem learning like the choreography and the chants and the glow stick things. But for regular concerts, especially western concerts, band western bands, like they tend to be a little bit more reserved when it comes to like singing along and such. Now, do right. you think that's a language barrier thing? Maybe kind of, but or a cultural barrier thing. It's one of those things where like they 
they they did kind of do little like not like sing-alongs but like hum-alongs during a couple of songs but maybe maybe you might be right about that maybe it's the language barrier but you know the audience seemed to understand what Josh was saying in between songs when he was talking to him or when mm-hmm. he was talking to them but um it was kind of just odd but nevertheless, you know, the band had a good time. It was a great show. And Josh even mentioned that they rarely ever get to go to Japan to perform. Like, they only come to Japan, like, if they get invited to, like, Fuji Rock or Summer Sonic. And it's very rare for them to actually just do, like, a one-off show where it's just them performing. Mm-hmm. And he said that every time that they come to Tokyo, it makes it hard for them to leave every time so you know he's got that sort of you know this place is very nice a lot more comforting and whatnot so like i get you josh i get where you're coming from you're preaching to that choir Mm -hmm. so it's funny still that i went from going to see horse girls live to see one of the biggest hard rock acts on the planet within a couple of days of one another like talk mm-hmm. about like two totally different genre spectrums right there. Good palate cleanser. <laughs> I guess you could call it a palate cleanser. All right, I, I, the horse girls. That was enough. I I need to remind myself that I am a man and I like right. my manly rock and roll. <laughs> That's right. But it was fun. Like both shows Good. are great. I'm. I'm so happy that I got to experience like both of these kinds of shows in Tokyo. So, Andrew, you just finished your Kickstarter. I did. I did finish the Kickstarter. I have well, I don't have the money yet, but I will I will be getting the money, I think. Hopefully, if everybody pays. <laughs> <laughs> no money bath yet. No money bath yet. Filling your bathtub no. with all those dollar bills and And it's it's honestly never a money bath cuz um because uh, where I do make the funds, I spend it before I actually get the actual funding cuz it takes 2 weeks to actually get the money that you make on a campaign because they have to process all the orders, they have to make sure that they can hit everybody's credit card and then if they don't then they check in every 48 hours until uh until two weeks goes by and then they cancel the order so i could i could potentially lose money uh even during the money collection process uh but by then i've already spent money to print books um so that'll be part of my task tomorrow is uh is sending out the books for print uh getting stickers getting a Getting a, a new um, square reader. I need a new Bluetooth uh, square reader and all those uh, cool things mm. for the project. So all the money will be gone before it even comes in. And what uh, was the final tally? So the final tally was uh, 46 backers and $2,800. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. Um, Moderate golf clap is correct. (laughs) Yeah. So um, where I am extremely grateful for everybody who supported the project, including you, Evan, Uh, like every everybody was so gracious with their support. And I, I, I can't thank them enough. I can't help but also be a little disappointed that I only made half of what I made at volume two. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you, you, you get to a certain point where you're like, oh, wow, this is actually doing really good. Uh, and then um, and then the following one just falls way short of, of what you were able to achieve for the, uh, for the previous one. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to make inventory, that I'm not going to be able to print anything. Everything is going to be exactly what it needs to be uh, because I, I did make enough money. Uh, I just won't be able to print more than what I had in mind. Uh, nor, to, like, nor sell will it I shows, be... right? What's that? To, like, sell it, like, other conventions and such. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so all my inventory will be perfectly fine for the convention circuit, and then I'll make more money on the convention circuit, and, uh, and everything, everything will be as it's, as it's supposed to be still. Uh, I just... When you work so hard on a product and you put something together, you just want it to do well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand and completely. Yeah. And so um, I just feel like it fell a little short of my own expectations of like, had I crossed over 3K, I would have been I would have been like, this is good. I'm I'm totally happy with this. We don't need to make the 4600 that we made for volume two. If I just made it over 3K, that would have been amazing. But we fell just short of two hundred dollars. Uh, or actually, j- not even just. It was we, 189 we or something like that. Yeah, like 180 bucks uh, to get to 3K, and I would have been, I would have been like, yeah, solid project, good job, Andrew. You know, but, uh, but it, but it, but it was, it was nice. It was nice. Um, so, uh, where do I go from here? Tomorrow, going to be printing some books. Uh, I'm going to be sending out some designs for the thing. Uh, another update is I'm also setting up a meeting uh, uh, tomorrow, Jonathan and I are going to New England Comics, which is our local comic book shop, mm. uh, about 10 minutes away, and I'm setting up a a spot in their comic shop for free comic book day. So uh, come May, uh, for those who don't know, free comic book day is an inter- is a is a national event that on the first Saturday of May every single year is free comic book day and free comic books are sent to comic book shops. You go in, you get your free comic books and then you you browse the store. I will be set up at New England Comics in Quincy, hopefully, uh, with Solarian Sun and I will be doing free pencil sketches for the kids and then of course selling, uh, selling all my other products uh, related to Solarian Sun out of their shop. They're they're just gonna provide me a space as a local artist because they like to support local artists. That's awesome. So that that will be that will technically be my first gig in the convention circuit is doing a, a local comic book shop at for free comic book day, which I am stoked about. That it, I don't even need to pay for the table. They're gonna provide a table. They're gonna provide like soda or pizza to me. I was like I was like really you guys are you guys are gonna give me all that. They're like yeah yeah we like we like supporting people. I was like dang that's that's crazy. <laughs> You're gonna have so to report on that when it, after it happens, man. I'm curious to know how it all goes. Yeah. Oh, I definitely will. So it's that's still a few months away or a couple months away. So uh, so we have time. Uh, but but tomorrow is when I if I find out if I actually get the gig because you know there's always those possibilities where I talk to the business owner and he's just like, well, we're kind of gearing it towards kids and your your comic book is a little too mature for the age group that we're going for. And I would totally understand. Uh, but I could still go in and do pencil sketches and sell uh, product and whatever you know yeah so but uh but that that's going to be my first so far that's my first stop in the convention tours and is is that first saturday in may 
Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be an awesome opportunity. Oh yeah, I'm 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 excited. Yeah, very cool. And congrats again with the Kickstarter. Uh, looking forward to when you do the Volume Four one. Heck yeah, me too. I'm always looking. I'm halfway through Volume Four. I'm I'm all I'm saying is is. Boyo, oh, I I am loving it. I'm I'm loving how Volume Four is coming out. It's 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 gonna be solid. It's gonna be a solid volume. Very nice, very nice. All right, John, you wanted to bring something to our attention recently that just happened in the news of anime. Yeah. So uh, this actually came across my radar today. I still get uh, Peter Payne's updates on J List. I still follow his like weekly newsletter and everything, mm-hmm. and. This is apparently like oldish news, especially from when we're recording this now. Um, that like a week ago, Sony had announced that it's dismantling Funimotion and just merging it all together into Crunchyroll. And Crunchyroll is going to be the only IP that exists for anime under the Sony label. Right. Mm-hmm. And this has everybody split. There are some people who are like, this is great. There are some people who are like, this is terrible. Why would you do this? Uh, But mainly, like, there's a really huge uproar in the fact that it's going to raise Crunchyroll's prices. And, you know, it's it's going to affect a lot of things. Like, a lot of things. Yeah, it's going from, what, $59.99 a year to $99.99 a year. For price, is it, is it really? Yeah, almost a hundred dollars a year. And I mean, huh. like, yeah, that that's. I, the people are obviously going to pay that. It's not as bad when you think about it. I mean, like, it's like ten dollars a month, and then you get two months free. Um, which I guess, yeah, I guess you could say say that, and it's still a lot cheaper than. Netflix and Hulu and many of the other streaming sites. Yeah, and then if and then if you tag on High Dive with that, High Dive is only four uh, five bucks, so it'd be fifteen dollars a month basically. Yeah, but with High Dive, they still have a lot of work to do to catch up to like fun like Crunchyroll, especially like with the fact that VPNs you can't use mm. High Dive with a VPN, which is why I had to cancel my High Dive subscription. Yeah, well, their and their video player also sucks too. So, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I dive. <laughs> Get your shit together, please. I want to support you. All I'm worried about is like, what is this going to do to Verve? What is this going to happen to the Verve app? <laughs> oh no, not Verve! Ah, uh, uh, that's been dead for what three years already? <laughs> Something like that. I, that's yeah, a, that's I, a deep I cut joke. Of, I know. Uh, yeah. I, there was a time when Verve was really good because you had <laughs> you had Crunchyroll, you had Funimation, you had Rift Tracks, you had Cartoon Hangover, you had Rooster Teeth, you had all these different like nerdy geeky channels dude, all under I one roof. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but they used to have Shudder. And, yeah, and dude, and they I had- I I I did it for Shudder, man. Oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Now now AMC Plus has Shudder. But yeah, okay. um, they had what was it called? Movie, which was like the like oh, art man. house movie theater stuff. I used to watch like a lot of like the Japanese uh, pink films on there. And if you don't know what Japanese pink films are, they're basically porn with plot. 
but you could watch it on <laughs> Mubi. And I actually did a couple reviews of some of the films on there. But it was such a cool channel. They even were showing, like, Stop Making Sense and a bunch of other, like, like concert documentaries, too. But, like, as the years went on, like, Verve just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I don't really know what happened with them behind the scenes, but, like, they they didn't care about it. I think that's, like, that's all that I could say is that, like, yeah, this was a nice experiment, but we're just not going to service it anymore. Well, that's kind of what I, it felt like. And I used to watch Verve on my internet app. Like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch it on the web app. I watched it on the internet. And good gracious... The internet app is the worst thing. I it didn't even it didn't even play the subtitles. Um, and then mm. uh, when because you could also be, when you were a subscriber you could download like you can on Netflix you, you can download it to your your memory bank and and play it through your download thing and the app wouldn't download any also any any of the embedded subtitles so if you yeah. if, if downloading it was totally useless cuz you couldn't you couldn't watch it it was in foreign language and there were no subtitles on it it right. was so dumb it was and they never the fixed ass. it yeah they never fixed it <laughs> anyway this is about act- perv. They, they, <laughs> actually the funimation app had that problem too like there were a couple times where i was downloading some episodes that I wanted to watch maybe on a bus, like on the way to a convention. I would go and watch it. No subtitles, none at all to to read, so I can know what's going on. So I wonder if it yep. was like like a problem within like the anime streaming scene where it's like we just can't figure out how to keep the subtitles there. It's like <laughs> gee whiz, what? <laughs> We've only been doing this for. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like number one on the list? You know, at number one, get video to play. Number two, get subtitles in language. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still kind of wonder what would have happened if Crunchyroll had stayed under like the Warner Brothers um, or AT&T family. A part of me feels like, it, like with all like these shows that are getting like put into the vault for tax write-offs. I feel like Crunchyroll would have gone the same fate as Drama Fever if it was still under Warner Brothers. Mm. Yeah. See, uh, and I, I feel like that's part of the the problem, too, is that, like, I remember when this happened to Funimation and, and like, you know, Sony bought them. I, I felt gross about it when that when we like we were doing wicked anime and we were talking about that for the first time mm. and like this also i don't even have crunchyroll anymore to be honest because i don't really watch that much anymore but like but this feels gross you know like I, something is wrong with this and i i, I can't really pinpoint it I, I can't really feel like what side of the fence i'm on but it almost feels like sony should have no part in in this in, in making these decisions. Um, one thing uh, we also yeah. have to keep in mind, too, is the fact that um, it, this is Funimation that took the Crunchyroll name as they had the hand in actually helping to buy it with Sony. So it's like Crunchyroll by name, but you're still getting the Funimation experience now. Mm-hmm. Which I find kind of interesting. 
Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Mm. But I mean, as as weird as it is, I never liked Funimation, especially like as Funimation kept going, like Funimation just was losing all relevance to me. Uh, I thought the 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 quality of voice acting of English voice acting took a nosedive, uh, and it became super incestuous which with like who was in and who was out of of the voice acting realm like they would only basically hire their friends and and so they kind of made this weird monopoly on english voice acting uh and and not only that but i wasn't utilizing it anymore i only watch everything nowadays with subtitles mm, same any here. any yeah, anything from the early early aughts into the nineties, literally the the late nineties into the early aughts was the primary time to watch things in English. Basically, from Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and then anything outside of those realms into the eighties and into the into the late two thousand tens, it it doesn't work anymore. It just is not good. Uh, like all that stuff needs to be in Japanese. So there was a small era where Funimation was awesome because this is how you accessed anime with an English dub. You didn't have to read subtitles, whatever. And, and it, 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 it only feels like the natural progression that it would be dissolved and, and gone. And I kind of don't feel bad about it. I only feel weird about it because it's, it's still a staple, but I don't feel bad because it, it's just lost all relevance. It's 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 just a it's basically just a paperweight at this point. I find it like unique, interesting because I do somewhat agree with you regarding like the quality of the voice acting uh, with the with the Funimation. I guess now with with Crunchyroll and how I've noticed like ever since like they started playing the over oh, hiring only our friends to do this thing. You saw a rise in the quality of the Sentai Filmworks dubs. Mm -hmm. Because there was uh, a yeah. time when the Sentai dubs were fucking shit. Like, I remember <laughs> yeah. I remember trying to watch Outbreak Company in English, and I could only get through the first minute before I was like, eh, I'm switching it back to the Japanese. This is Yeah, horrible. just like, yeah, that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> I've experienced it. <laughs> but then, like, I think it was around when they dubbed Monster Musume. Um... Uh, when you started to see, oh, they're actually getting good now. They're actually getting great with the voice acting. So, like, it's possible because, like, you know, they couldn't go to Funimation anymore. Like, the new talent, the new rising talent couldn't go to Funimation anymore. So they're just like, eh, well, let's go to Sentai. And there was actual talent going to Sentai, you know? Right. You, you got the theater kids, like the, the people who was wor who are working in theater in, is it Houston? That's that Sentai is at, or is it Dallas? I keep forgetting which. Uh, I, keep I think it's Dallas. It Dallas. Okay, so it's like the Dallas theater kids doing voice acting, and they do a very good job. And like these are the I, newcomers. One of the things that uh, always bugs me, though, about the the newer generation of voice acting is they basically are stealing the techniques. Not stealing, but. They, they they all learned from the the people who who are doing what they were doing during that era and it, it they basically just made themselves sound like the old voice actors and it's like 
and it, it's you know how voice actors have that anime voice it's like oh this yes. is the voice i do when i'm doing an anime all of them sounded like that and so yeah. i just found that to be really bizarre yeah they kind of learned from the Laura Bailey's and the John Swayze's and the Steve Bloom's, they learn how to do all that through those people. Yeah. Where you kind of, you kind of put this rough, this, this rough edge to your voice. Like you're doing something that's in an anime, you know, kind of a thing. I, and th- instead of just using a natural voice in some sort of way, find right. your inner Diedrich Spader. Yeah, it, it's making me think of why I hated the first two seasons of the Wakfu English dub because, like, yes, that's exactly what yes, I was thinking about. Yes, that's right. We that was one of the things we talked about. It sounded like everybody was putting on a voice. Yeah, yeah. And then when they redubbed, when they recast it for season three on Netflix, like everybody sounded like what they should have fucking sounded like in the first place. Sounded like people. <laughs> yeah, they sounded like people. They didn't sound like wacky cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we, we went off of a tension about the voice acting. We were talking about Funimation closing. I mean, you mentioned Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Like, that was the mm-hmm. first show to actually get a simulcast, like, release. Like the f- the first day it came out in Japan, it was the first thing that got like streamed on the Funimation website. Mm. And like, look how far we've come since then. Um, it like it is odd. Like in the last ten years, just how how big the anime industry has gotten. Like. Ten years ago, if you had walked around where I live, like in Ikibukuro, like, you wouldn't have seen what's there now. Like, Mm. today, like, anime is everywhere. They have embraced this culture so much. And because, you know, it's a big moneymaker. And it's not just making money in Japan. It's making money all around the world. Mm. And I, uh, yeah, go ahead. I actually had I found uh, the article that I was um, that I wanted to point out for this whole thing. So finish your thought and then I have another thought. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So if it wasn't, I would say if it wasn't for like Funimation, like doing the simul dub or the simulcast of Brotherhood, if it wasn't for Crunchyroll, like getting its foot in the door and doing legally streaming anime, I don't think we would have an anime industry like we have right now. Mm. Oh, that's totally true. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, you know, it all had to start somewhere, and it's kind of funny how it kind of started with piracy, too. Yeah, way. it did start with piracy. <laughs> well, and and now, now with the way that the anime industry is going, it's kind of going back to piracy. Yeah, well, I mean... It, Part of me is also thinking, too, that the way that the industry is going is now being a nerd is cool and especially liking anime is now cool. So, you know, more people are watching it and it's turning into that part of you. Like, you know how like it's almost like anime is selling out now or at least at least American distribution of anime is selling out to the big crowd that, you know, we're 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 now selling anime to the jocks and it's, you know, (laughs) I actually made this point in my um, my upcoming review of the first volume of my love my lovesick life as an otaku. How like 
you know, today's otaku don't know how good they have it, which is mentioned by the main character, Megumi Sato. And, like, back in the 90s and early 2000s, like, anime fans got bullied by the Trekkies. <laughs> think about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, you could, like, it was safe admitting you liked Star Trek or Star Wars over saying, like, oh, I, I like Tenchi Muyo. And, like, nerd! Yep. Would just be shouted by even the, the biggest Dungeons and Dragons players. <laughs> biggest. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like a trend now. But uh, continue what you were saying, John. Right. Okay. So I found the article that had initially sparked the conversation that I really wanted to have, um, which is the major thing that's happening is that for those of you who have Funimation and you have purchased a digital library of media, Mm. that is going away. So if you bought a series on Funimation and you could watch it anytime, anywhere, forever, they're actually legitimately erasing it. So you are the the hundreds of dollars that you spent on anime series to have to own digitally is going away forever. And this isn't the first time that Sony's been doing this. They did this with the PlayStation Store when they deleted all the shows from what was it? The Discovery Channel. Like people who bought shows from the Discovery Channel from the PlayStation Store. They they didn't get a refund. They they lost all of the content that they had bought from them. See, and this is what I was talking about when, like, I feel gross about Sony doing this. You know, like, like regardless of what you think of Funimation, people have actually put money into this that they bought stuff. Um, and this actually brings me to another point that I saw a little while ago. Um, uh, Christopher Nolan was quoted in talking about digital media and like uh, Netflix and all of our streaming services and how digital media is no longer owned by anybody. Um, hmm. So like, for instance, yeah. we built our collections from like, you know, anybody from the eighties all the way up to till now has built their collection through VHS tapes DVDs, Blu-rays, and we proudly display them on our shelves. Yes. But now film and movies are licensed and those licenses run out and there is an opportunity for you to never be able to see a movie again because it's not licensed by Netflix. And so there is the erasure of art through yes. the, the digital media that we're going through right now. And that is a huge problem. Forgive me for getting political, but you will own nothing and be happy. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what's happening, and, and we're letting it happen. Dude, like, <laughs> Ubisoft said the same thing. Oh, just because you bought our game doesn't mean you get to own our game. Well, if, if payment isn't ownership, then piracy isn't theft. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, this is we're talking about like this is like you, you go to the Museum of Fine Arts and like they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have any coplays out right now because his license ran out. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you don't have coplays at the Museum of Fine Arts. You know, <laughs> yeah. sorry, you you're not allowed to see these John Singer sergeants because you didn't pay the membership fee. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You wanted to see the Van Goghs that are over there? Uh, too bad. We've lost a license. We have to cover them up. Uh, no one can ever see them ever again. 
It's yeah. fucking bullshit. Nobody paid their estate fee. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, that's that's the bigger problem. That's the problem that is happening mm. here. And um, I agree. Which, that is a huge problem. Um, I, I would still be supporting physical media if my apartment had the space to store physical media. I had to leave my whole entire anime collection back in Massachusetts because I don't have the space for it just yet. Yeah. And I look forward to being reunited with it when the time comes because at least I know, hey, even if these shows go away on streaming, I at least have them to watch whenever I want. Because I do have anime that you can't watch anywhere on streaming unless you were to like go onto YouTube and find like fucking 240p versions of it that were uploaded back in 2006 or 2007. Like, you're mm. supposed to watch it. <laughs> you're supposed to watch it in three parts. This makes me feel safe. <laughs> Nine-minute uploads of, a f- like, in four parts on on YouTube so I can watch it legally. <laughs> that's how I watched Paradise Kiss, and that's how I watched the Melancholy Haruhi Suzumiya originally. Man. Eh. Yeah, there's a show, Paradise Kiss, that has never had its license renewed. Like, if you have the Blu-rays or DVDs of that, you're lucky. Because that has not been released on any streaming sites whatsoever since, Mm -hmm. like, Funimation lost its license. Man. Yeah, it sucks. It really does. Like, I hate knowing that there are are works of art that I really appreciate that I know I, I will probably never get to see again. And mm-hmm. that bothers me a lot. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Shall we move on? Yeah. Let's. Yes. So, back in 2019, October 2019, a pilot premiered on YouTube. And that pilot was a show called Has Been Hotel. If I recall, we shared similar thoughts on it. We thought it was pretty good. It did win the 2019 Into the West Award in our wiki show. And the popularity of it got gave it the opportunity to have a full series by A24 Pictures. And A24 Pictures is a pretty respectable, like one of the most respectable like film and TV companies right now, in my opinion, compared to all the other ones right now. Would you agree or disagree on that? I do like me some A24 produced films. A- yeah. A24 produces some of the best horror films ever. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember back in the day? I, I Actually, is, is Magnet still around? Yeah, Magnet oh, yeah. is still around. Magnet and Magnolia. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Those. Th- it's like that. It's like A24 is like the new Magnet and Magnolia film. Yes, funded but funded by a, a large studio where Magnet right. Magnolia is, is not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So after what? 2020, 2021, 20, almost well over three years later, season one of Has Been Hotel has premiered on Amazon Prime. And it focuses on the two main themes of Charlie trying to get demons in heaven on board with her rehab hotel and the next extermination attack from heaven in six months. There's also focuses on stuff like Angel Dust's entrapment to the adult film industry, the truth about Vaggie's origins, and a bit about 
Charlie's parents. Um, I will say that it took a couple of episodes on my end for the show to really get into the groove that the pilot had. I don't know what you thought about the about the first couple of episodes of Hasbin Hotel. How kind of I you. Had, I had to, um, yeah, I had to basically choke down the whole series because it was just, it was so boring. Really? Okay, so we're going to be on yeah. very opposite spectrums in this regard. So opposite opinions on this. Yeah, well, I, I, I have I have a lot of notes and yeah. and there's there's plenty of good stuff, but there's plenty of critiques. Yeah. And a lot I, of my critiques also have to do with what I think about uh, Hell of a Boss as well. Okay, which isn't which isn't surprising because it's they're both made by Busy Pop. Right, so. the same universe technically. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's been a spinoff show. Mm-hmm. I wrote my um, I, I wrote a whole lot of notes too. I actually have them opened right now. But the first note that I have at the top of my page is just one word, and it's insufferable. <laughs> are you talking about the show or are you talking about the fan base? Because the fan I'm talking about, yeah. No, I'm talking about Hasbin Hotel on Amazon Prime. Insufferable. Yeah, okay. it also goes because that, and I think, I think I know where Jonathan's going with that because it goes with one of my notes, which is the juvenile constant cursing. Yep. I do kind of get where it, you're coming from in that regards. Like, it's so. Kinda, it's so juvenile that it's just like, oh, everybody's swearing. And isn't that funny? Because it's a cartoon, but it's for adults. It's like, no, that's not clever. Like, you actually, word. yeah, I actually uh, made the, I wrote uh, the connection down here that I said that the jokes are akin to Helsinger Bridge. Mm. Oh, right. So, like, Alucard says, fuck, that's the joke. That's yeah, the joke. Like, yeah, there, there isn't like there isn't a punchline. That is the joke because he said the swear word. Did you hear him say it? Wow, isn't that funny? No, there's no joke. <laughs> and I do kind of agree with you on that aspect. I do get that this is a show that takes place in hell, bad people, all that stuff. Of course, there's going to be cursing. Sure. Yeah. But, but, oh, sure. One hundred percent. But like, um, I felt like the story, the dialogue was a lot better when like the cursing actually took a back seat. Like there's a there's the episode where like they're like Charlie and Maggie, they're in heaven, they're watching they're watching what's happening with uh Angel Dust in the in the club, trying mm. to just prove that okay, he's he's changing, he's changing. And I noticed in that episode, like his vulgarity is like turned down a lot in that certain episode. And I feel like that that episode like really showed like his ability to change. And it also showed that you don't need to be cursing all the time in order to have a good story and good humor. So funny enough, that episode that you are talking about, which I believe was episode six or seven. Yes, episode six. six. Was was where I started just burying the show in notes because really? that's the that that was the episode where I was like none of this makes sense it is all plot holes no there is no continuity to the story at all like it just falls to pieces like because of that stupid episode yes okay yeah the heaven the heaven episode yes. so I would like to kick off my note yeah uh, go ahead. some notes that I wrote with. 
Vivzi is an amazing character designer, a terrible story writer. That is 100 percent how I feel about about like if she was just a character designer for some studio and somebody else wrote the story, it would probably be an amazing series. But between what hell of a boss is and and what uh, and what has been hotel turned into, she just does not have those chops. She she is lost in the sauce. And uh, and here's the reason why. Her shows start off too big. When you create a show, uh, I, I wanna I wanna ask you this right now. Okay. The show is called Has Been Hotel. Mm-hmm. How much of the show is actually about the hotel? Right now, I would say ten percent. Yes. So so the she made a show that was too big because she made this gigantic world of hell. And and the heaven and hell universe and hell of a boss. Like she had a spin-off show before her husband hotel was even written. And now she has to make this grand story. And so everything that happens in the in season one of Hasbin Hotel should be season two or three content. I said three See, or four. I actually yeah. wrote that in my notes. I said I said, I am I watching season three or four? So because because every character has a villain which is really annoying. Uh, you, you don't introduce all those right away. Like Alistair had, had Vox. Uh, Angel Dust had Valentino. Um, Vaggie had the Angels. And uh, and it, that was all in one season, eight episode storyline, but you got to reveal those. So how do you fix this mess of a story of Hasbin Hotel? How do you make a gigantic universe a small universe? All right, so what's your solution to that? So here's how you write a good Hasbin Hotel. Okay. Season one of Hasbin Hotel is a monster of the week. Every single episode, a new client walks into the hotel with a problem. Okay, because that's what I was expecting for them to do this route. act. I'm glad that you take that too. And so, and and what you do is, oh, this one character who has a funny character design and a weird quirk that sent them to hell, um, and and now it's it's their job to help them, and they become they become a character of the hotel, but their problem also relates to one of the cast members who was already in the hotel. That's how you relate it to the to the cast that we already have. Plus, you push Charlie to the forefront because Charlie was not the main character. Charlie was pushed to the background. Yeah. It really focused way too much on Angel Dust and Alistair. Mm. Um, and and I felt like maybe uh, the fandom might have played a key role in that because everybody likes Angel Dust. Everybody likes Alistair. Maybe that's yeah. where Vimsy Pop was like, oh, I guess I'll make them the main focus of it, even though really it should have been Charlie. Yeah, a gajillion percent. Because um, cause the fact that the show is called Has Been Hotel and no guests come into the hotel for the entirety of the season is appalling to me. That with is the exception terrible story writing. With the exception of Serpentius, who starts who out is, as a spy and yeah, then who is a double it. agent. He's not even a real guest. Well, he be, well, he um, starts out as a double agent and then becomes a guest. Right, but 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 to that point we have we have had no real guests and Vox sends him in as a double agent to stop the hotel from happening. But there's no reason to stop the hotel from happening because it doesn't do anything. 
there's no, no nothing is happening in the hotel. Yeah, it's not like, working. What? It's it's failing perfectly fine on its own. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, oh, and then I mentioned every so so that is the one that is season one. Season one needs to be a monster of the week that that brings us through somebody's story that relates to a different character. Then in season two, maybe you talk about angel dust. Then in season three, maybe you talk about Vox and Alistair. Cause this show has already been greenlit for a second season. And I, yeah. with the way that this show ended, I'm like, okay, where does that go? Like you've already told everybody's story. And uh, so, uh, so every character has a, uh, my next note that I wrote is I hate Disney adult show tunes in adult animation. Um, <laughs> See, I, and I disagree with you on that one. I actually did love yeah. the music on this show. Uh, I actually did buy the soundtracks from Amazon. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the fact that it sounds like a bunch of theater kids wrote like their favorite Disney song, but they added the word "fuck" in it was really, really irritating. Like, it, where it's just like, oh, we may, like again, oh, isn't this so good? Like, we we can curse now because it's an adult cartoon, but now it sounds like Disney. And it's just like no, it's it's not creative. Like I get, I some of the songs were really catchy. Don't don't get yes. me wrong. I actually I did enjoy some of the songs, especially the uh, Alistair Lucifer song that was really good. Mm. Uh, which it, which is the main theme song of the show. Like when you when it when it starts playing, that's the main theme song of the show that they were singing to. Yes, I uh, um, I fast forwarded through all of the songs. John, yeah, Jonathan skipped through all the songs. Uh, oh. It was such it, it was such a waste of time, dude. dude like the songs dude, were. There's unbearable, two unbearable. songs. There is two songs per episode in a half hour episode, and it halts the story from happening. So once they start singing, the story stops dead in its tracks, and you sing. You do that twice per episode. So like kills the kills the pacing, kills the mood. Uh, we don't learn anything new. It's just these characters singing out their problems for three minutes. Uh, I do. Th- I do think there are there are a couple of songs that I feel like fit well with like what's going on and do kind of help progress a bit of the story or the friendship. Good example is probably when Husk does the song Loser Baby and singing that to Angel Dust. I think that was that's actually probably my favorite song out of all of the songs in season one because I liked its tone. I liked I liked the message it was kind of making. It was like, you're a loser. I'm a loser. It's okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because this is going to transition perfectly into my next note. Yeah. Uh, Angel uh, Angel discusses his sexual abuse in episode four and how much he hates it. And it goes back to episode uh, goes. And then he goes back and once episode six starts, he's talking about it casually again. Like, oh, I was with Valentino and I blew 12 guys twice. And it was just like, wait a second. We just had episode four where you're singing about your sexual abuse and how and how much you hate Valentino. But you're just back working with him and you talk about it like it's not an issue anymore. Like, wait a sec. Like, slow down. Like, keep your characters in line. We need continuity. Um, the one, uh, the one thing that I didn't like about the about the design of the show is none of the characters popped because they bled into the monochromality of the background. Like, everything was red, white, and, and black, mm. and so are all the characters. And so, when you have, so Vivzi had this has had this problem in every single one of her shows. If you watch the Hell of a Boss pilot, if you watch, uh, if you watch Has Been Hotel pilot, if you watch all of her shows, she puts way too many characters on the screen at once and puts them on backgrounds that they blend into. And, and it's, and it's really confusing to, to really keep track of, of certain things that are going on. Uh, that was just a small note. 
Let's see. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, we already said some spoilers, but I'm gonna say a major spoiler. So maybe close your ears for maybe 15 seconds or so. Yeah, yeah. For for our listeners, uh, like, okay, this is a part where you should probably not listen if you haven't watched it yet and you still want to watch it. So in Heaven and Hell lore, demons are literally fallen angels. So why is Charlie upset and surprised that Vaggie is an angel? Previously, that. That bugged me because it's just like, oh, like you're an angel. That's a good point. That's actually a very good point. I never thought about that. And it's such a non issue. Like, I don't understand why they made this like, why did you lie to me? Tension is like, like, who cares? Like that? What's the difference? Um, uh, I I also wrote a funny note. uh, Adam, as in in episode six, Adam says that he was the first soul in heaven. Uh, which is not biblically canon, which is funny, but I know it's not bibl- a biblically canon show. I just wrote that because I was like, ah, I know, I know stuff. Um, <laughs> okay, well, who uh, was the first soul? I'm curious. So, so okay, so here's a little bit of biblical uh, knowledge for everybody. Uh, before Christ came to Earth and uh, and made uh, the the new pact with humanity, you know, the new covenant with humanity that we now have a direct line to God and we uh, and Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and doing all this thing. Uh, when Jesus, uh, it, uh, there, there's a part in the Apostles' Creed that says, uh, and Jesus descended into hell and uh, and preached to the the dead. Uh, it doesn't mean hell, like as as hell as we know it. Mm. The other translation is Sheol. So before heaven existed, there was a place called Shoal, because there wasn't a there there wasn't uh, it was it was more of like a holding area for the souls that were to be redeemed by God and then brought to heaven. Would, so the so would, the souls and sh- what I'm so, sorry, what? would you say it like is in comparison to like the Greek underworld of sorts or like their like mythology? <sighs> Uh, not really. Yes and no, but it's um, it it what it has to do more with is is a place. So so anyway, so like it's 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 more just a place of holding. The it, the Bible translates it, or the the Greek and Hebrew translate it translates it as prison, but it's not prison because it's you know where it, it's a it's a holding area for souls. Yeah, it's where all the dead um, were for a time. Uh, again, yes and no, because because there was still a a hell okay. in in a sense. So um, uh, so at, like play, people like Adam, Moses, the the prophets of old, uh, uh, everybody who who was you know a, a a man of God and a follower of Christ or a follower of who would would be the Christ beforehand. Uh, what their their soul was held in Shoal, and Jesus went to Shoal to preach to them, and then brought their souls to heaven after the pack, the pack or the covenant was made. Uh, so so technically, so Adam saying he was uh, like I was the first soul in heaven is not true. He went up with Moses and and uh, and and uh, Abraham and all these other uh, uh, people, which is okay. really funny. All right, uh, and then so let's see. None of the heaven and hell stuff works with no consistent rules of what is right and wrong. Why are the seraphim shocked when when Charlie swears but not Adam? Because because Ad, yeah. during the whole trial, because during the whole trial, Adam is just going off and using his filthy language, and 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 then and then Charlie says, "What the f?" And then the angels go, <gasps> and then she's like, "Oh, sorry." It's like, wait a second, but that doesn't make any sense. Like he's been swearing the whole time. Why are why why that one instance mm. did it make a difference? And then, uh, and then not only that, but, uh, 
the fact that Adam so so the show when the show starts it it talks about the creation of earth and then the creation of the angels and demons and and where Lucifer fell and and the show being a show about hell understandably talks about Lucifer in a good light uh, making it being like oh he he gave he gave the sense of right and wrong to humanity which is not true um it's uh and but but the thing that's missing is is a creator god so the angels don't know why they're in heaven and and the people in hell don't know why they're in hell because there is no rules they don't know their own rules of how they get to heaven and hell and now the entire show falls to pieces because there's like this whole thing of redemption in hell and redemption in heaven uh, and how do you get there? But nobody knows. Mm. And 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 the show avoids the crea- uh, a creator god so hard that it makes no sense as to why there would even be like a first man like Adam in heaven. So that was a major plot hole. Uh, let's see. Uh, the the little angel Sarah, uh, who's like there's the seraphim and there's like the mother and daughter. Yeah. Uh, Sarah says like what said like the funniest line I've ever I've, I, I ever heard where she was just like there are innocent people suffering in hell like we can't let that happen and I just thought that was so funny because it's just like they're they're in hell, hell. like that's what that's what hell was made for yeah, like you're like, an angel yeah. like stop it uh, and then uh, let's see. I, I have a note here that just says Nifty is cute. Yes. So that's okay. a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> please, please do not bash Nifty. Nifty is now my favorite yeah. character in this show. That, that that she was the best character on the show. I like yes. Nifty. She, like and and she, she was the cheese. Char- yeah, she was. Yeah, the she cheese. was the cheese. Um, and then let's see. Uh, massive plot hole. Creator God missing. So none of it makes sense. Angel worries about suffering and hell. What? Oh, I just have a note here that just says exposition is cringe. Um, <laughs> what then, part? Be more specific. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think that was the part when uh, Vaggy and and the uh, the demon overlord were fighting each other. Because she was just like, I'm an angel, and Charlie's mad at me. And, and oh, and I, I, I know what and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that and, whole and, scene and, was kind of useless. It was so cringeworthy because she was just expositioning everything that we didn't need to know. They're just like, oh, th- the way that we kill angels is, is through the angel me- angelic metal, and, that, and that's your spear. It's like nobody knew this. No, nobody could figure that out. It was stupid. And then I said exposition through singing is even worse. That was my next note. Uh, <laughs> and for that I mean, isn't uh, it all Broadway numbers? Exposition yeah. through singing. <laughs> Uh, and then, okay, next note I already I already addressed, which was two songs per episode is a terrible idea. And then uh, finally, this to the end of the show, when the Snake Man, what, whatever, what's his name? Serpentius. When Serpentius gets resurrected in heaven, what's the point of the he- of the hell genocide if they are going to respawn? Do do they all respawn? Uh, if they don't, if they don't, where do they go? If they're and if they're already dead. Then why do they get killed again? It does do they all get redeemed in heaven during the hell genocide, or or do they do they just respawn back in hell, or are they like double dead and they go somewhere else, or their soul just doesn't exist? None of it makes sense. It wasn't so, a Hasbro hotel, but there was something that I recall where it's like 
like if you die in hell, you just reemerge in hell again or something. But I forget. It was like some any, cartoon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because the the whole point of the hell genocide is they're like, well, we're running out of space in hell, so we have to genocide them so that there's more space in hell for all the dead souls. It's like, but 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 you can't kill people who are already dead unless you destroy their soul. And and if that's the case, then why did Serpentius get resurrected to heaven? It it. Ah, it it breaks my brain. Like it, none it, of it made sense. It was South Park. It was South Park that that made the joke because it was like Saddam Hussein was in hell. He <laughs> dies in the movie, and then he comes back in the TV show. It was like, oh, I thought you died. Well, where are you expecting I was supposed to go? Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, I, I have I have reached the end of my notes. So. So you, the good things the good things that I say about the show is Nifty is cute and Vivzi is a an amazing character designer. Mm-hmm. Those were those were the things I liked about the show. I you missed a big one for me, which okay. my my note was who the hell is the TV head guy and why does he keep showing up? He sucks and it's annoying when he shows up. The <laughs> yeah, show sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of agree with you on that. He's like he is. He's useless. I mean, okay, maybe he's supposed to be the foil. Like, it's radio versus TV, and it's like, you could do something so much better than just have a TV head guy. I was, I just watched an anime called Magical Destroyers that had a TV head guy antagonist, and it was boring as fuck whenever he was on the screen. You couldn't even do something better than, than the bare minimum with this character. It... But and it and it's so weird because he acts like he's going to like oh I'm TV and so I overtook radio, but never once in the entire series is he a threat to Alistair. Alistair yeah. always gets the better of him, and I don't understand. Yeah, and Jonathan, you're one hundred percent correct, and I love the way that you phrased the note because it was hilarious. But what is the point of him being there? He doesn't do anything, yeah. ever. Um, and again, I, I will, I will say my good note uh, in this. I actually loved when Alistair was on on the screen. I, yes. I th- he was, he was my favorite character in this, and like he's just a cool character. His dialogue was great. His mischievous nature really helped like push some things in the show yeah um and 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 to go back on your complaint about their like the cursing alistair rarely ever cursed on that show like he only said like he only said fuck like maybe once or twice during that whole season and i felt like he only says it when he needs to emphasize something but every other time he's just the calm cool alistair yeah, I you know you I get why the fandom likes him. I love Alistair. He, I love his design. I like his voice. I like his singing. I like his, I like the music. I like his contributions to Has Been Hotel. But this one is thing- Charlie's story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, which I I did think that like it would have been a really great way to end the season on like the handshake deal that Alistair made with with Charlie. Like if the show ended there, that'd be great. But it it hung like it like we were supposed to find something out about it during the season because oh, yeah. it wasn't like completely over. And so like sure they're gonna keep that for season two. They're gonna keep that in the back pocket probably if they can remember, you know, to that they did that at one point. Um, 
but like that's that should have been like how the show ended like mm. completely so that you know it it was like oh now you have to wait for the whole season but it was just so timed poorly that like it, it's almost like it should have that should have also been a plot that wrapped up before the end of the season yeah because now we have no idea what he's going to do with that deal nor are we going to remember that he did it because there were still two episodes to go before the season even ended plus the cannibal town thing like was like what like why i did like that i did like the cannibal town i thought that was pretty funny i liked the song i liked what was it susan (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was funny, but the, like, the Susan thing was funny, but like the whole idea was of, of there being like a cannibal clan is just really strange to me. And the other thing, too, is for me is like, how come people? I guess I kind of get it, but like part of me should should feel like they fear Charlie a little bit more. They can not respect her. But I f- almost feel like there should be some kind of weight that she's Lucifer's daughter. That's, in the that's show. true. Like nobody cares that she's the princess of hell. It's <laughs> what? <laughs> like she? I don't get it. <laughs> I think it's maybe because like, oh, she wants to help them become good, and the people of hell is like, no, we want to be bad. Maybe that's why they kind of don't respect her because they go against. She goes against the grains of what hell is and what if what that would be that, should be. If that was the case, then they would have to actually vocalize that in the show. But it was yeah. it's never it's never given to us why she's so low on the totem pole, especially like it, with Lucifer as a character to, who like hid himself away is is just is just bizarre. It could also be like something that they could have mentioned too. It could also be like, why should I be afraid of you? Like, like Charlie's like, you, I, I demand your respect. And then everybody could have been like, like, why should I be afraid of you? I'm already in hell. Nothing worse can happen to me, you know, um, like, but nobody ever said that. And I think that would have been something that would have been a good character development thing and as to which Charlie would have been like okay so I don't want you to fear me I want you to like me you know and and that's I almost feel like they should have started over like the pilot should have been the whole thing I'm stuck on the fact that that season one of the show felt like we were watching season three or four and Mm -hmm. and they, they moved too much too fast and I really wanted to see that monster of the week I will say that yeah, I'm glad that they the just hotel. Did, yeah, hotel. Yeah, yes, yeah. I will say that I'm glad that they didn't redo the pilot because um, being Puppycat did that for their Netflix remake and it absolutely sucked. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if 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 that had happened where like Vivzy remade the pilot, I think she would have gone with the fandom and made changes that would have made you know, made the original pilot still the more superior version. Yeah. Sure. It and and it uh and uh, yeah, I don't mind that the pilot is canon, so there's technically nine episodes of Hasbin Hotel. Yes. Um the the thing that bugs me, the thing that really ruined the show was how big the story started. There's a reason why your Dungeons and Dragons campaign starts in a tavern. Is because you're because you don't know the world. The world is tiny. You step outside the tavern, and there's a hamlet, 
and the Hamlet has a problem. Now, and, and once you solve the Hamlet's problem, you see that it's tied to a little bit bigger. So you go to the big city, you go to the big city and find out that, you know, this is tied to a, a, a larger cult or a dragon. Then you have to go into the mountains and seek the dragon. So the world expands as the audience gets used to where you are. So you start in the hotel, you make the hotel the main focus of the show. You don't go into into side characters. You don't go into these villain these villains that everybody has an arch enemy. It's just it's so confusing and so muddy that it becomes boring. Like the the fact that I got to episode five in one day was really astounding because I just couldn't care less about any of it. Like there was just so much going on. I was just like I don't I don't know what I I have no idea what's what this is. What was? I feel like I should. I feel like I should say, "Oh yeah, well now try sitting through High Guardian Spice and get back to me and see which is the better experience." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I would probably watch Hasbin Hotel a thousand times over watching High Guardian Spice, but yeah, no, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this um, though: were, were there actually any lines in in the show that made you laugh? Because I, I did yeah. find yeah. some some lines funny. Yes, um, I would say. 70% of the dialogue that was meant to be funny did make me laugh. Okay. Um, I thought the egg henchmen were funny. Yes! And then, See, and then we the found thing, out the, the angel was <laughs> dead and all that. Oh, that's, that's nice. Good night, yeah. Eggie. <laughs> they say random um, things to me all the time. Banks yeah, are from the shadow government. See? <laughs> like, that was funny. Like Yeah, that was Banks are from the shadow government. Um and uh Yeah, it, the the thing that that kind of I I knew this wasn't going to be a thing in the show, but I it didn't stop me from de- being disappointed by it. But uh Joe, also known as Uki no Joe, also known as Uncle Joe. Uh, he's an animator on YouTube. Was the voice of the eggs, and he is not the voice of the eggs in the main series. Yeah, that, not uh, was Brock, it was him and Brock Baker that were the voices of the eggs in the pilot. Actually, all the characters had been changed. All the voice actors had changed from the pilot to the first season. Apparently, like union reasons or something like that. Yeah, that's why I was yep. very thrown off by Sir Pentius when I first heard his voice in the. In this, in the actual series, because I really loved the original voice, Will Stamper, because he 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 does he does all the voice acting for all the uh, behemoth video games like Battle Block Theater and Pit People, and he has a very unique voice. And the guy who came in and replaced him, Alex Brightman, who I really love, he is the voice of, of Fizz in in a Hell of a Boss, the the clown demon, and he also played. Beetlejuice in the Broadway musical. I have no issues with him. On top of that, he also is the one who wrote that Mark Summers off-Broadway play that's going on right now about the making of Double Dare. So like, yeah. I like Alex Brightman. I just didn't think he really fit with the voice of Serpentius. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I did like Keith David as Husk. Um, you can Keith David is one of my absolute favorite voice actors, favorite actors in general. So like, I thought his voice really fit well with his character over the I other like, person. I like Keith David. I did not like. I just I just referred to him as the bartender in my notes because I honestly didn't remember any of the characters' names. Okay. Yeah, I I also 
absolutely love Keith David. I mean, he's in my one of my favorite movies ever, which is John Carpenter's The Thing. Like that's that's Keith David to me. Yeah. You know, is 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 his role as Childs and um I don't think he fit the universe because I I see I see this cast of characters and and I feel like everybody is like a young voice actor and and they're doing like this this grown adult baby kid show um, for for like weirdos and and whatever who like fan fiction and and shipping characters all the time. And then there's Keith David. Right. Where it's just like, like, what, what are you doing there, Keith David? This is you're, you're a grown up. This is where all the kids are playing. Like, why are you here? Like, I, I, it just it just felt weird that he was there. OK. <laughs> so Evan, I feel like we tell yeah. me some stuff that you liked about the show. <laughs> like, what, okay. what did you? <laughs> OK, so like I complained about the first two episodes. Because I didn't like them trying to remake the commercial. I just, I felt like that was kind of boring. The battle between Vox and Alistair was dull, even though the song was pretty good, Stay Gone. Um, I did like the revelation about how the angels can be killed. I liked Angel Dust's redemption in episode six, especially when he's like, trying to protect Nifty in that club, trying to make sure that she doesn't get in too much trouble. I do like the the relationship of Charlie and Lucifer kind of being rekindled, the her real father playing a bigger role in her life. Um, and I did like the battle at the end. Um, my other complaint is like, you know, the whole concept of, oh, heaven is the real bad guys. It's That's been done too mm-hmm. much in my opinion we've seen that in the devil is a part-timer we saw it in good omens the original clash of the titans movie does it with the greek gods i mean it's fine here but like i want to see somebody in heaven who is on the side of charlie maybe it's the character of emily but as of right now you don't really see somebody in heaven that is on the side of Charlie when it comes to trying to find redemption for those who have been damned. I want to see more of that. Maybe we might see that in season two, but for now, just like the whole thing of like, oh, even heaven is like, like doing the bad stuff. Like it's, it's been done before. Mm-hmm. But yep. outside of yeah. that, I, I could turn my brain off and just, enjoy the show for what it was. I love the music. I do love the characters. I do get the whole um, continuity issue, however you want to say that, regarding Angel Dust from episode four to episode six. But I do like the fact that in episode six, he finally kind of like gets in the face of what's the guy's name? What's, What's the name? What's the main character? Who's, who's, who basically has Agent Dust's contract? Uh, Valentino. Valentino. He gets into Valentino's face. I did, did kind of like seeing that. Maybe there. Maybe in season two, he finally breaks free from Valentino. Who knows? But all in all, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I noticed that the animation wasn't as rubbery as the mm-hmm. pilot was like you could kind of yeah. tell like it, it 
it lacked that sort of loosey-goosey vibe and the movement of the characters. But I liked it. I enjoyed myself. Like I said, I bought the soundtrack. I do get that the fandom of Hasman Hotel and Hell of a Boss has become insufferable, as you said, John Starr. <laughs> I'm, I'm, at least they're not solo leveling fandom. They're, at least they're not the solo leveling fandom, which is like, I think right now that's like the king of insufferable right now. Really? Like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh my god, dude. Every time like someone posts about any anime, you get these people being like, why aren't you talking about solo leveling? Why isn't solo leveling on the top of your list? Why isn't solo leveling on the roof of your mouth or your tip of your tongue? It's like... You're... Shut the fuck up. It's it's like... But anyway, Hasman Hotel. I liked it. Obviously, you two didn't like it as much as I did. You You sound like you kind of gave it more of a two out of five. I mean, I I gave it I gave it a solid watch. Like yes. I went in being like, okay, I like things that Vivzi has done. Mm. I like I like what she can do. Maybe maybe because she's on maybe because she's on Amazon's bill, that Amazon will reel her in, and and that didn't happen. Uh, w- would I give the show that low of a rating of a two? No, I would give it maybe like a five out of ten. Uh, oh. Well, that's I, what I meant. Like I, two out of five. So like, a, so I guess a two point oh, okay. five. Yeah, like, and it's because it's not like it wasn't entertaining to watch. It was just a disaster. Like the the plot made no sense. The amount of plot holes in the script are just are just infuriating, um, and. Uh, the the funny part is 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 uh, being having a lot of theological knowledge. I do yes. not expect like I do not expect a story about a, a comedy show about hell to have any kind of the, like accurate theology. Like mm. I don't get like I do not expect that of the show. Like blasphemous humor is a thing. I get it, and and you don't have to be accurate. But I do want some sort of rules. And there were no, there were just no rules to to even their fake theology that right. they made. Yes. And 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 I was just like, okay, so there's nothing that I can latch on to, even as somebody who has theological, like real theological knowledge of this stuff, where she, where Vivzi clearly did not. She just made it up as she went along. Um, so the rules so, should have been uh, in the story bible. Yeah, it's like it. Like, if she she probably would have made a better show if she actually made, like, a biblically accurate show than made jokes on top of that, but she didn't. And 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 it made it more of a mess because it, it just didn't add up in the end. Okay. You see, and I respect your opinion on that because I understand where you're coming from. And I even, like, understand, like, you know, we have different tastes. Like, I... Sometimes I do like the haha he said fuck haha that sort of thing but like I you got to yeah, be no, in the I, right like, I, like self, I I I like Matt Stone and and Trey Parker like their stuff right. is awesome like yes. and they do that kind of stuff but they balance it you know yeah, they, they balance, balance their, it. their work and I feel like 
feel like that that balance doesn't get to that. I feel like Hasbin Hotel doesn't get to that balance until like near the last couple of episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe I, I maybe just... in season two they fix the whole. Maybe it won't be so much. Haha, he said fuck jokes, but like, we'll see. Well, because we have to remember that the audience, the audience that this show captures is very stunted in their maturity. Like, we've been to enough anime conventions where we have seen grown adults acting like children. Yeah. And 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 not not because they're having a good time. It's because they don't know how to act in a real society. And I'm not making fun of people who like have issues. Right. It's 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 a it's a thing where people don't know how to grow up and and mature. And and I feel like the core audience of Has Been Hotel is that. If you are not that, then I'm not talking about you. But if but but you know the whole Disney adults and and show tunes and and cursing as as like your, your punchline just doesn't do it for me. And I, so I think that was another big thing is I was not the core audience for this show, which is why I was able to pick it apart so much. Yeah. Um, because because I could see the glaring plot holes without wearing rose colored glasses of are these two characters going to get together? You know, because that's that's like the main topic on the on on like people's who are like that. That's that's the main topic that they care about. Is like, no, no, no. Where's the story going? Yeah. Tell me about the story. Tell me about this world. What what are you gonna do on your next episode? Where what's happening? Mm. So, okay. Why don't we talk about a show that I think we can all agree on? <laughs> <laughs> Tales of Wedding Rings. And I wanted to yeah. talk about this show more because it's a new isekai that's airing this season and not a lot of people are talking about it. And I find that weird because in my honest opinion, this is like the best isekai of the winter 2024 season. Mm. And it's because of you, Andrew, that I actually sat down <laughs> and started watching it. Don't thank me. Thank dark skin cat girls on the, on the box art. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I like the show. It is, it is a good show. Is it the best anime ever? Never. It will never be that. It is, it is exactly what it tells you it is. Uh, it is, it is about a man who is called the Ring King who gets to marry all the girls. (laughs) And, 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 and one of them just so happens to be a muscly warrior, dark skinned cat girl. And, and so it's, it's basically, it's basically another show that's twilight for men, you know? And, uh, but I like the fact that that the main character Sato really only has legit feelings for Hime, the main girl in the show. Like, yeah, he ha- and- it's like, oh, I have to do this because of prophecy. But yeah, you're the he- only and- one I want to be with, actually. And he also doesn't have um, bitch main character protag syndrome that mm. most shows have. Yeah, like he's he's he acts like an adult, and that is refreshing. Yes, and. Because because uh, I'm I'm so sick of of like the wimpy male as as our main character that has to grow into his manliness and then almost never does. Yeah. Uh, but it's 
his character is is palatable enough where he actually acts like a man and protects protects his woman and and respects the marriage and the relationship and uh and all the other girls are his obvious caveat and you know you got the little elf girl now who is like the shy one who really wants to get closer to him but she's aware that that oh but he likes he likes crystal and then um and then you have the the dark-skinned cat girl who's like i am an animal so i don't care i'm gonna jump your bones whether you like it or not because we're married you know it's it's normal anime tropes except the main character is able to deal with it Mm -hmm. so yes i i i very much enjoy that um i is the new episode out today no it's out tomorrow it's out tomorrow tomorrow that's that's yeah, well, actually, right. no. So tomorrow for me, Sunday for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I, I now that they've actually added the our dark skin cat girl uh, character Grand to Art. the plot. Of, yeah, to the plot of the story. I I'm interested to see how, what this caveat's now going to add mm-hmm. to the to the show. However, we're seven episodes in. And there's five or six wives. I think there's five wives that he has to meet. And I think, yeah, I think it's that, five from the end credits. Yeah, we don't have that much longer to go. And it's just like, okay, well, is there going to be plot, I guess? You know, <laughs> or are we just going to be meeting wives this whole season? And, I know, and this I know is, the manga is, is like on its 14th volume. So, jeez. And, and this is another one of those shows as well where... I don't know if it's going to be popular enough to ever get a second season. Uh, it, it might just fizzle out. It, we might be lucky that it doesn't, but I also don't have confidence in it getting another se- series because there's a lot of really great shows that only a couple people see and don't get series. Yeah. And sometimes that's for the best. Like we talked about, like I, I mentioned when talking about has been hotel, the devil's a part-timer. And it took like ten years for like season two to finally come. And when it did, it was like, oh, <laughs> that's why you didn't want to continue animating this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I hope it's not the same with Tales of Wedding Rings. Well, this will be a show that if, if if I don't get around to, or if they don't get around to animating it, I might as well just start reading the manga. Um, funny enough, opposite of what we were talking about beforehand with, with um, uh, Uma Musume, is that there's no fan service in that show, and we really liked it. Yes. This show is is like watching an OVA from the early 2000s. Yeah, where where the, where it's like, oh, there's a female character. You're gonna see her boobs eventually, and it's such a weird feeling to me, especially in this age of censorship, where they're they're just you get to see everybody naked now, and I did not expect that. It just yeah. it's so it's such a bizarro world thing now, because it 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 shouldn't. It, it's almost like it's like this shouldn't be a thing, but um, there are three shows this season where you can watch it uncensored like here mm. in America there's this one there's gushing over magical girls and then there's chain soldier and all three are fully uncensored yeah uh, just, chain soldier just, really I heard that one's pretty hardcore yeah chain soldier is well is I, that, yeah, I, 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 I think gushing over magical girls is the most hardcore out of the three 
A Chained Soldier kind of is a bit hardcore. Like I said when talking about Winter Anime, this was the show where it's like, it's the creator of a Kamiga kill, and he went, let's just make all the girls S-Death. And mm -hmm. it does yeah. kind of go into that dominatrix, BDSM sort of thing. But I still think Gushing Over Magical Girls one-ups that show with the BDSM <laughs> shit. Jeez. Anyway, Tales of Wedding Rings. Yeah, well, I mean, it it, fit, it fits into the uh, uh, un the uncensored discussion, right? So, because yes. like the basically now that we have this new characters, I, I'm I'm really I'm really kind of curious as to how much because now that there's three women competing for this one man's affection mm -hmm. i'm really wondering how much the romance romance aspect is going to be fit into it on top of there being a battle every episode because the battle in in the last episode that happened uh to mm -hmm. before he got the fire ring that was the shortest battle with with the bad guys which is fine with me like i don't want the show to waste time with just making big battle scenes like, yeah. if the battles end quickly, I'm totally cool with that because the monsters in the show are boring. That's, like, my one my one gripe about it is, like, oh, we have more, like, creatures from the darkness. We don't... Oh, it's, it's isn't that spooky? It's like, no, it's Japanese. It's not spooky. Um, and, uh, and... And so if, if they're going to get through their battles quickly enough just so that we can get to the romance aspect of the show and the show and they want to focus on the romance aspect of the show i will be okay with that yeah because i uh, feel like the just, romance aspect of it is like very much part of the character development of the series mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's more important than ooh flashy fight yeah um i will say i think my favorite character right now as i know yours is grand art andrew i know you love your dark skin <laughs> girls I love Nefertitis. I love I love this elf princess. Number one, mm -hmm. uh, just she's adorable. Number two, I love how she has this social anxiety and she can't be out in public too much. And I love how like, oh, she doesn't regurgitate. She pukes <laughs> every time she's out in public. And it's not like this cute dainty thing it's just <laughs> every time she's out in public and number three i like how she's getting more curious about sato like mm -hmm. i i laugh my ass off every time when sato and crystal are trying to have this romantic moment and there's nefertitis's head just peeking from the curtains or peeking from <laughs> from the bed sheets. Oh, oh, I was here the whole time. I I I kind of she's like becoming my favorite character because the more she's a part of the show, the more she's part of this whole camaraderie, the more her true self is kind of coming out. Yeah. Well, she's the cute character. She has been granted the role of cute. Yeah. So, where where crystal crystal is average like crystal is your average she's not a sundere because she does like our main protag yes it's already and i like that they've already established that they love each other correct but um 
but so she's kind of the vanilla choice and then and then you got nefertus who is the the cute choice and then you have uh granhart who is the aggressive choice yeah so so now now we just have to go in because i know that one of the one of the uh, ring bearers that because i mean they, we get to see all of them in the previews of the show one of them is a succubus so so that one's going to be whatever i i don't know what's going to happen it's going to be weird i i <laughs> we just have to wait and see what happens for the re- for the rest of the series yeah but like i i think we're going to enjoy the ride for this show mm-hmm. yeah i think like and I'm glad that you're the one who who told me about this, Andrew, because like I had a, I had like made my list of the shows I was going to watch because you know I don't have as much time to watch anime now because of my because now I have the full time job as a teacher. But when you told me watch this show, whenever you tell me to watch something, Andrew, I go and watch it because yeah. I really do trust your judgment out of oh, everybody you. that I know. Maybe even it, it more is, than John. <laughs> That's fine. Well, well, I get to watch more anime than Jonathan does anyway. Uh, but but yeah, like it, I I can see why you you think that because I I will not waste my time watching a show that I do not like. Exactly. Um, except for when I watched um, what was that other isekai, the Ra- Ragnarok isekai that was just awful. Oh. It was so bad. But I I watched it just so that I could watch a bad show and then and then just destroy <laughs> it every week. I know it was, what it you're was talking the worst. about. It's another one of those where the protagonist just wears zippers and he has the harem, right? <laughs> yeah, like it was. Um, it it was in Greek mythology, like Greek or Greek and Roman mythology, and he got isekai to the world, but it was halfway through the story. Like they basically skipped the whole isekai aspect to it, and he was just already there in season one. And he, but he has a cell phone that he can call his regular world. <laughs> and, and talk to his regular world girlfriend or whatever. Oh, or I know what you're talking him. about, but I know it's not yeah. in another world with my smartphone, which no, it was, was not. That, that show was stupid, but it embraced its stupid. At least. Yeah, I watched a couple episodes of that. Yeah, yeah at, with the one that you're talking about, the, the behemoth or right. It's like Behemoth yeah, of Ragnarok yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yes, something like that. It was awful. It was, it terrible. was like It's a show that took <laughs> itself way too seriously. It's like your plot is stupid. If you're gonna be <laughs> stupid, be fucking stupid. Don't, don't be serious. I hate it when yeah. some shows do that. I hate it when some anime has the stupidest plot but takes it way too seriously. It's very rare where that works, and Uma Musume mm. is one of those moments where that rarity actually works. This plot's dumb, but you executed it flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's really all I have so far for. I think the next time we should talk about wedding rings is when it's over. Yeah, I think that, we should revisit so that we can that. have like a full because we have this was like the halfway review. Then we'll have the full review of the show once everything is done. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it is a fun show to watch this season. It's not going to be your favorite show this season, but it is a good show. Yeah. Um, actually, Evan, you did say it might be your favorite show this season, which is interesting, right? Is, no, did I, it can't. It can't be. It can't no. be because Hokkaido Girls is, is coming out. Hokkaido no, Girls. Has no, no. Um, for new shows, definitely Hokkaido Gals is my favorite. Maybe we should dive into that the next episode. 
That's a good, I would love to talk I'd, more I about Hokkaido Girls. I love that show. Yeah. I freaking love that show. <laughs> um, but my absolute favorite this season, if you're counting even returning shows, Daydreams in My Heart season two. Good. Oh, God. I don't have high dives. I, I don't have high dives, so I haven't watched it. Yeah. Well, all I have to say is. Yar. Oh yeah, magical anime. Yeah, oh, magical anime <laughs> tree. That's right. Yeah, I I haven't gotten to that either. I haven't gotten to my magical anime tree. But either, dude, like, I say, talk oh, about a I'm, show I'm, that knows how to write a good damn rom com and a good like coupling there. Like oh, yeah, so good, so good. Um, yeah. Well, because here's another issue that I'm running into. Right? Is is um, so Netflix. This is kind of going uh, off topic, but it also kind of jumps back to the Funimation discussion. Mm-hmm. So Netflix finally introduced introduced their um, their fu policy of of you can't watch shows unless you have an account with us. That like, happened no to me three anything. months ago here in Tokyo. So so um, I was I'm in the middle of watching uh, Delicious in Dungeon. Mm-hmm. I love Delicious in Dungeon. I think that show is phenomenal. It is it so. It has gotten better. Good. It has gotten absolutely better. I, I see. I loved it from episode one. And the other tragedy of this is I haven't finished the new se- series of, um, or this actually the second half of the series of uh, Oji-san from Another mm, World. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, I'm on the uh, I'm on the account for Netflix. Yes. I can watch it on my computer, but I can't watch subtitle stuff on my computer because I'm working during yeah. that time. So I can't sit and read. So I try to watch it on my phone and I'm on the Wi-Fi. I'm on the Wi-Fi in my house where the account is tied to. But because it's on my phone, Netflix says, no, I can't watch it. I, I'd be like, nope, you have to get a temporary password to or to watch this or, or your... Or. So which means that people who have one multiple houses two want to watch Netflix on their phone at work or three are just traveling in general. Yep. They cannot watch their own Netflix account because it's on a different device entirely, which means Netflix is going to force people to buy a Netflix account for every, you have to buy one for every house that you own, every phone that you own um, and like, because it's all tied to the Wi-Fi, which is criminal, like actually criminal, because uh, that—that's disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- so why? I yeah. So I haven't been able to watch Delicious in Dungeon because of that. Yeah, which is I, annoying because I, I love it. Yep, I've I can't watch Netflix anymore either because like I'm locked out of my own account, Pe- technically family account. You know, yeah. My mom uses it. My dad uses it. My sister uses it. It's a <laughs> yeah, family you know, account. The account- <laughs> The accounts we pay for that yes. are uh, that are on there that said we have multiple accounts now, but we have to have multiple accounts and everybody has to be in the same house. That's dumb. That's yeah. that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It is. I'm like, please don't do this, Hulu. Don't do. Th- I'm gonna guess Max. I'm gonna say HBO Max is gonna be the next one to do it because I th- I be. think they're all gonna do it. I think Am- Amazon said that they were gonna implement it next. <sighs> Fuck. Which stinks Ew. because I'm on Jonathan's Amazon account, and um, you know I, I watch I watch I watch Jack Reacher, I watch The Boys, I watch uh, like all this. Well, and then the next season of Has Been Hotel that we're gonna ultimately have to talk about and choke down again. Um, you choke down, <laughs> I will eat it. I will eat it easily, man. <laughs> but so, uh... but yeah, so it's it's gonna be streaming is gonna be a nightmare soon enough, which is why I'm glad that I at least have my own Crunchyroll account. 
uh, because that's where I watch all my main anime. But uh, I, I imagine I, I will eventually get my own high dive account, possibly if I can afford it. But we'll see. Okay. Have to wait and see. All right. All right. So I guess this wraps up this week's episode of Duck Amuck in Japan. So boys, plug away your shameless plugs. Oh boy. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna check me out and uh, go see what I'm doing. Uh, I, you can find me at solariansun.com where you can read my comic for free. I have just posted up to page 288 for free. Uh, so that is plenty of reading for you to get started and get caught up because over on patreon.com slash AFLM and you, when you pay as little as $5 a month, you can get caught up to page 687, I believe is going to be posted this Saturday as of this recording. Uh, which is about halfway through Volume 4. So we're really plugging along with that. Speaking of Volume 4, Volume 3, as we were talking about, the Kickstarter is complete, so uh, those will be put into print very soon, and you can see me on the convention circuit. If you watch me on my social medias at AFLM underscore art, uh, you uh, can check out all the updates that I'll give about uh, where, where I will be and when I will be there to go pick yourself up a book. Hopefully I'm aiming to open up an online store eventually because uh, I can do it through the Square system and just have you know people do that. So that'll be an easy store to set up, but I just have to do it. Uh, that will be another update that you can find me on social media. Go follow me on social media. That'd be great. Mm. And John Starr. Well, if you want any more of my stuff, you can find me over at The Line Block on Instagram, where you can check out my drawings and you can check out some of my other posts. And I also discovered this week the secret to being the cool teacher. All you need to do is just tell the Jujutsu Kaisen kids that you know the guy who wrote the music. That's oh, love yeah. you, Aztec. Aztec! <laughs> uh, Shout no, out to no lie, it's happened to me three times in the past two weeks. I've seen like kids have come up to me and be like, "You know the guy who made the music for Jujutsu Kaisen?" Yeah, I drove. I, I drove I him said, to his house. Yeah, I did. I said, "Yeah, I do." His name is Aztec. He has a, a record shop in Quincy, Massachusetts. <laughs> no, his 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 uh, the shop is in Boston. Lola, yeah. Lola's is in Boston. Bo- his yeah, house is in Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah his house is in Quincy. Yeah. And it's not his shop, it's his wife's shop. Correct. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is an anime section for the shop because yeah. of him. Yes. You got yeah, you, so you should bring him into the school sometime. <laughs> I know, yeah. that would be that'd be sick. It'd be dope. Do it. Yeah, but yeah, no no lie, no lie. Like I've seen so many kids like they're they're doing their work and they have YouTube open to a Jujutsu Kaisen track. I was like, I know who wrote that. And they're like, No. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he lives right here. He lives right yeah, here in Massachusetts. My buddy Aztec. Yeah. We got to have him on the show soon. We got to have him on yeah, Dynamock in the future. That'd be wicked fun. Yeah. And as always, B3Crew.com for news, reviews, podcasts, episodes. And you can follow me on all social media at KingBabyDuckESH. So, guys, great conversations today. We went from horse girls to the pits of hell. And right. I think we... We got out of it unscathed. This um, this episode felt cl- the closest I've felt to an actual Wicked anime episode for the longest time. I agree. Back to formula, you know? We went back to formula. I totally agree with you on that. 
Yeah, we have to remind everybody that we do love animation every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you can tell how much I love it because I talk about how much I hate it. And you must <laughs> you must learn to love or hate the things you love because if you don't hate them, then you don't really love them because because then you're not critiquing it. Then you're not then you're not filtering out the bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or you're not giving it a fair run. Good point. Good point. I feel like that could be a great debate on a future episode. <laughs> how to love the things you hate or how to hate the things you love. How to hate the things you love. How to hate the things you love. Coming soon on Duckamucky Japan. Oh, boy. <laughs> but until next time, this is your King Baby Duck. AFLM. John Star. Reminding you, if you are going to chase your dreams, make, make sure, sure you run, run amok. amok. <laughs> World will never get that right. No word. Keep bye. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>